0: Peaceful greetings and welcome to another episode of Words That Inspire by Chisoba. And the topic, topic I am going to be addressing today is spiritual abuse and pastor worship. Uh, to me, they kind of go hand in hand, but for this recording, I am going to talk about the first half. So this is part one, and that is spiritual abuse it is not a term I've heard of, heard often, but it is a thing. Just like there is um, physical abuse and emotional abuse, there is spiritual abuse. And I came across a definition. It says, any attempt to exert power and control over someone using religion, faith, or beliefs can be spiritual abuse. Uh, the way I personally define it is sort of similar. It's to me spiritual abuse is taking advantage of someone using their religion or their faith or their beliefs spiritual abuse happens in any denomination in any religion it's not just um, something that's unique to pastors or to christians however i am going to be looking at the topic through the lens of a christian because um, I, I am a Christian, so I am gonna be talking about or looking at it looking at spiritual abuse in the Christian church, but wherever there is a set of, wherever there is a spiritual leader in any religion, spiritual abuse does exist. Part of the reason it does is the the way we are raised to view spiritual leaders all too often we are um, taught from childhood to take the words of a spiritual leader almost as if it's the gospel truth, you know. And the reason is because spiritual leaders are supposed to be our guides when it comes to whatever religion. In the case of Christianity, when it comes to God and serving God, from time immemorial, if you look at the Bible all the way from the beginning, there has always been a leader before it used to be uh you know the prophets and and the judges who were the intermediaries between god and his people and even in the new testament when we are where where the the curtain got divided in half when christ died and we now have direct access to god we now have a personal relationship with god and really do not need a priest, a prophet, or a pastor to be an intermediary, we still have spiritual guides and leaders. And for example, the apostles or the disciples, we're still leaders in the faith to guide people. But wherever there is a spiritual guide or a leader, there is often trust that is placed in that person. And that trust can be abused. Like any relationship where... um, where trust exists there is potential for abuse there because spiritual leaders are often not just teachers they tend to be counselors and faith and religion is something that is very near and personal and and dear to people it is often where um people find comfort from from the troubles they are, they are dealing with faith is what feeds people's souls and spirits and and influences every part of life so whoever is a guide or a leader um uh, over that faith has a very let's call it a special place in in the heart of the believer and there is a lot of immense trust that exists between spiritual leaders and their followers and so like i mentioned before just like any relationship where there is trust there is potential for abuse and so spiritual abuse is a thing and what made me interested in speaking on this topic right now is just the immense amount of news I have been seeing about pastors and men of God who are in the name of Christ exhibiting all sorts of behaviors and what the results are how it's affecting um, people's faith, uh, people's trust in the church as as a whole, and even people's relationship with God. I mean, I have seen stories, um, I mean, stories of pastors abusing their power has always existed, but something about 2020 and COVID just made it so widespread. It, it was almost as if every week or every other week there is a new story, even uh, this past week, I came across another one. I have seen stories of pastors who defra- um defrauded the church, defrauding the government, especially with that whole PPP loan. There was a pastor who lied and got it and bought luxury cars. And a pastor who lied and got PPP loans, and instead of using it for the church, went and bought herself some real estate. And then I have seen stories of pastors who are engaged in adultery, um, abusing staff, taking advantage of people, you know, having people work in the church, they do not pay, and these people have mansions and houses and at least physically and financially are well off, and yet they take advantage of people's money and, and they are defrauding the church. So the most recent one I came across is, I believe it's Venny Church, um, where a pastor was discovered, he's married, but it was discovered he was having an adulterous affair with a member of his church who was also married and when confronted about it, lied about it until someone saw he and his mistress out at lunch, canoodling in public and took a picture and circulated it on Facebook. And then he, he confessed to it, left, gave up preaching for about three weeks and came back. He's like, well, God has changed me. I'm back. I'm like, how? That, to me, that wasn't even enough time for self-reflection. And he also admitted to using funds from the church for so on and so forth. I, I was a bit. I am always stunned when I see stories like that. About, there have been so many that. I'm beginning to, expect to see them in a way. And. I worry about the effect it has on people like I've seen people who say these kind of stories is why I stopped going to church altogether or uh, these kind of stories is why I stopped being a Christian now I have a lot to say about that and it ties in with the second half of this topic which is pastor worship or the worship of spiritual leaders if a person's behavior is what is causing you to lose a relationship with God. To me, you never believed in God in the first place. Your faith was tied to a human being and not to God Himself. But we will dive deeper into that topic in part two um, of of this video. But when it comes to spiritual abuse, I just I had a couple of thoughts about. Um, people who set themselves up as spiritual leaders why are we seeing more and more of this story i mean we are seeing more of the stories because social media makes uh the the passing of news and the dissemination of of information a a lot more accessible and easier but why is spiritual abuse so so rampant and to me i have several thoughts on that one of them is often people see being a pastor, a preacher, or a spiritual leader as a business opportunity, and not a calling. For some people, it's a way to make tax-free money, especially in the United States. Uh, for some people, it is a way not just a business not just business opportunity. It is a way to get uh, status and respect in in the in the community. In any in any religion, re- spiritual leaders are often um viewed through a different set of lens there is some honor that is accorded to spiritual leaders there is a certain reverence with which they are treated and some people crave that and for them the easiest way to do that is to set themselves up as spiritual leaders for a lot of people they are just perverted and the easiest way for them to practice their perversion is to take advantage of people's spiritual beliefs. Now I've seen some weird videos on YouTube of pastors doing the most ridiculous things. I mean, I've seen videos of pastors fondling women in front of their husbands and fathers in the name of praying for them. I think I saw one where a pastor was bathing the members of of his church in public for whatever. Just I've seen some really weird things and I try not to judge because There are some things that are so outlandish and in my head I'm saying this isn't medieval times when we do not have access to the Bible. Regardless of how much we need spiritual leaders and guys, in these times we have the the Bible. There are certain things, if it's not in the Bible and your pastor is doing it, you should be asking questions. There are things I've seen. Videos have been recorded, behaviors, pastors pastors have exhibited, I've seen them. For the members who allow themselves to be subjected to that treatment, I often question, but I am truly trying not to judge because I also understand how it is, how out of desperation, sometimes people turn to the church or turn to spirituality or, or religion out of desperation because of, because of what is happening in their lives. And some people i have seen, have seen videos of a church where the pastor asked his um, congregation, those that are sick, to go out and literally go on their hands and knees and through grass as if they were animals. And at first it looked so outlandish and my initial reaction was, what are these people thinking? Like when I think of, oh good Lord, when I think of, for example, let's say animals that have gone through and done all sorts of mess and and human feats and you just go and you eat because your pastor said to. But when I thought about it, these were the poorest people in the community, some so sick and in places where this this was a certain I believe this was in Africa somewhere and I'm forgetting which country who could not afford to get treatment. Literally could not afford it some couldn't even can't afford to eat or at that time couldn't afford to eat. And then it needed help. And to them it's like if eating grass is one is what is going to heal me why won't I do it? Because they literally have no other place to turn to. It's either not do it or death. They have to believe that that's what will, will heal them or bring some measure of relief to them. So I, I, I do understand how desperation sometimes drives people to, to, um, to subject themselves to spiritual abuse, to, to allow themselves to be victims of an ab- abusive relationship with a spiritual leader. And I detest, with all that I have, spiritual leaders who take advantage of um, people who are just desperate like that. Um, another reason why sp- spiritual abuse exists is p- people don't have training. Some spiritual leaders are not trained. Some are called, but they forget you need to undergo training. Even the disciples didn't just become apostles and leaders um, in Christianity. They all trained under Christ. And then the people who took over from them trained under them. Sometimes there is no training. I just, I, they, They're like, I have a calling and anointing, and they open something, and they are charismatic, and it blows up so quickly. And there is there is no training. Some A lot of spiritual leaders are not accountable to anybody. So it's really a, a lot of... I mean, it happens in churches of any size, but we often hear stories of all these mega churches with campuses and parishes here and there. Because a lot of them do not have anyone they are accountable to. They are so charismatic, they've blown up, they're popular on social media and they think they're all that and two cents. And it is so easy in those situations for arrogance to creep in. But if there is no one who holds you accountable, who holds them accountable, it is easy for that behavior to get out of hand and lead to other things. Um... And even if they have someone who they are supposed to be accountable to, it is important that they learn to be subjected, um, or rather they learn to allow themselves to be held accountable. Arrogance and pride. Spiritual leaders need to be on the watch for arrogance and pride. But those are some of the reasons why I think um spiritual abuse exists. Now, when one of the stories came out, I'm forgetting which church what the name of the church is but its a pastor um i believe it was is it pastor john gray when one of his scandal that had to do with another woman broke out i think it was either for the second time or something like that people were attacking him and it, he took some time off from his church and when he came back to preach people were asking very much like i was asking about a um pastor of venue church why is he back so soon is he has he really taken enough time to reflect and somebody a lot of people made a comment well pastors or preachers or evangelists ministers bishops EDC they are human beings too they are subject to making mistakes um while I mean, they are human beings, of course, and they make mistakes. However, they are judged harshly or held to a higher standard for for, um, two reasons. Number one, if you are going to put yourself in a place where you are leading and guiding others, where you are making yourself an authority when it comes to spirituality and faith and religion, you are supposed to be held to a higher standard of conduct. How do you teach and lead people when you're operating on the same level, or even worse, on a on lower level than the people you are leading? To me, it's not that different than going to a school and having a math teacher who knows, who has just about the same knowledge as his or her students. students. You know, if, if there was an exam and the math teacher, has this is on the same level of knowledge as a student that is an issue obviously when it comes to that subject because the teacher has placed themselves in the p- position where they say i am more knowledgeable at least than my students on this topic they are judged harsher than the students would be and to me that's the same thing with pastors and preachers of course they are judged, to me, if there is punishment being given out for at least here on earth. Sin is sin, and god we know God is a, is a fair, fair judge. But here on earth, if there are rules and regulations in place and, and ways of conduct, and if, if there is behavior that is dictated by faith, and people who have chosen to put themselves... In a leadership position as spiritual leader, it's not like they were conscripted; they they were called by God, and they they made the decision. I'm going to be a spiritual leader. They are supposed to be held at a higher standard. The second part of that is it's in the Bible. The Bible tell the the Bible tells us. um all about um, the, the punishment. Oh, is it punishment? Not really, but the expectation that anyone who makes themselves a teacher of the word should expect to be judged harshly or on a stricter curve than um, members would be. I am referencing James chapter 3 verse 1. The book of James, chapter 3, verse 1. And I am going to read it in a couple of um, different versions of the Bible. So the first one is amplified. Not many of you should become teachers, serving in an official teaching capacity. My brothers and sisters, for you know that we who are teachers will be judged by a higher standard. Because we have assumed greater accountability and more condemnation if we teach incorrectly so that's the amplified version that that is james chapter 3 verse 1 i'm gonna read two more Uh, let me see good news translation my friends not many of you should become teachers as you know we we teachers will be judged with greater strictness than others um Let me see. King James Version says, My brethren, be not many masters, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Message Version, I love this one, says, Don't be in any rush to become a teacher, my friends. Teaching is highly responsible work. Teachers are held to the strictest standards, and none of us is perfectly qualified. We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person and perfect control of life. This is why you do not rush to become a spiritual leader, especially if you're not called or you don't know what you're doing. I'll um, read The last one I'll read is NIV. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So, if you are, if there is anyone who is going to set themselves up as a spiritual leader, there needs to be expectation that they will be judged stricter. You don't become a pastor or a preacher and then when you misbehave, expect you're going to be um judged or treated like a, a regular member of your church would be. That does not make sense. Okay, the last thing I want to say on this topic is if there is a spirituality that especially those who are knowingly misbehaving I mean a mistake is something to me a mistake is anybody can make a mistake like I I read in, in the message translation nobody's perfect there is no perfect human being on earth anybody can make a mistake but when you are carrying on an adulterous affair for years or months When you are abusing members of the church, young girls, people of age, be it sexually, emotionally, physically. When you have stolen money from the church. Um, When you are verbally abusive. When you are deliberately twisting scriptures to suit your needs. When you are abusing the the mental well-being of your members by telling them, God said so and so when you know he did not say when you are issuing false prophecies whose end goal is is for your personal satisfaction to prop yourself up and make yourself feel good when you are issuing edicts that do not come from God that is those are deliberate actions to me. When you are doing the same you are doing it on purpose, those those that is not a, it's that is no longer a mistake. And for anyone, and, and when I say for anyone who has put themselves up um or put themselves in this in a position to be a spiritual leader or a teacher or someone who talks about the faith and I am including myself, it is very important um, to be aware of two things you are gonna give account of the souls who follow you or the souls you listen to anyone you teach and you lead god is going to demand an accounting of those souls from you and i'm and that is anyone in a leadership position hebrews 13 17 says obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. So everyone who, who has, what do I want to call them, subjects or people who follow, are going to give an account to God for those people. Now, this includes anybody. I'm talking about political leaders. You know, these people who run for office and decide... You run for office to lead cities and impact people's lives, and you get there and you're doing all sorts of things and being all kinds of corrupt. <laughs> there is going to be an accounting before God. It's, uh, to me, it also applies to husbands. I know a lot of married men or friends who have gotten married and, and relatives and so on who keep saying, you know, the, the place in the fisherman's wives, be submissive to your husband. They quote that um, sc- um, scripture ad nauseum. Wives, be submissive to your husband. And they forget two things. That verse has a part two, which is, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. And Christ loved to the extent that Christ gave his life for the, for the church. They skip that part entirely and they, they never do that. And then they n- never get to Hebrews thirteen seventeen. If you're going to rule over anybody, remember you're going to give an account to God for that person. Spiritually there's also something else you need to keep in mind. I'm, I'm reading 1st 1st Timothy chapter 3 from verse 1. If a man desires the office of a bishop or overseer, he desires a good work. Now, it gives qualities to me, I, I'm I'm, I'm a bishop is to me is any spiritual leader, any position, a pastor, a preacher, what have you. Okay, going further, a bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. one who one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. First Timothy chapter three. For me, that is a guiding principle for anyone who decides to become a spiritual leader. You have to be blameless. I mean, I, I'm probably going to do another video on just that verse alone. There is so much to unpack there. But the most important thing um, I wanted to end with is if there is someone who is a spiritual leader, you know, um, someone in, in your family who does that, or if you are, take note that you are going to be held accountable for the souls that you lead. So if you're out there wilding out, exhibiting all sorts of behaviors, if your behavior impacts somebody negatively and they leave the church, and and it impacts their relationship with God, yes, they are going to be held accountable for your faith. But you, as the leader, you're go- also going to take part in the, in the blame or share in the punishment because you are going to be held accountable for that. So. It is important. That's something I don't think a lot of people who decide to be pastors are aware of. That they are going to be held accountable for every single soul they affect, good or bad. You get rewarded or punished. Either way, there is accountability from God, whether you subject yourself to someone else or not. So right now, those are my thoughts on the topic of spiritual abuse i would love to and this is probably also going to be maybe a project something i'm going to work on that i I might speak on on a later later episode because i would like to dive into well how do we avoid it how do we educate and arm the Christian congregation so they are not subject to spiritual abuse the same way we teach women about signs of or teach anyone really about signs of physical abuse and resources where to get help when it happens I want to do the same thing for for Christians I'm, I'm interested in that how do you recognize signs of spiritual abuse and um, how you get yourself out out of that. Um, situation at their resources available so i'm gonna dive into that i think i think it it is definitely um something worth looking into so perhaps after part two of this video um that i will just continue the topic and maybe invite one or two people to speak about it as well so those are my final thoughts let me know what you think uh just leave me comments feel free to comment below or on facebook or instagram or twitter or wherever i am Uh, thank you so much for listening and i will catch you on the next episode remain blessed